It's time for Enlightenment in the City with El Hoshotara on the News for the Soul Network. El is a spiritual coach and intuitive reader with a unique flair. Strong yet soft, compassionate with a heart, she lives the consciousness of being feminine with strength. El tells it like it is. Welcome El Hoshotara back to News for the Soul. Hi, everybody. Welcome to News for the Soul. I'm your host for this hour, El Mayahoshiam Tara. Let's see. It's Happy Thanksgiving uh, for everybody. Happy Turkey Day for those of you that celebrate it. Um, For anyone around the world uh, who's like, what the heck is she talking about? Um, Look it up. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. You know, people land and take over other people's land, and we celebrate with the turkey. Um, So anyways, um, I don't know how else to explain it. Um, So let's see here. Yeah, that's a positive vibe to start off on. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, and speaking of, let's talk about that. Let's talk about positive vibes and speaking your truth and dealing with it when other people can't. Um, So there's a huge difference. So let's talk about these distinctions again. There's codependency, which is everything's about me or everything has to be all about you and I'm not allowed to have any power. Um, And then there's interdependence, which is, well, you have power and I have power. Um, but we're not using it to sort of like battle each other to the death um, over it. And you can work with people, um, but it doesn't mean you're getting thrown off path. It just means you're not trying to um, take other people off their path to meet your needs. It's not about bashing people um, to try to get needs met, which is extraordinarily common in codependency. Um, So for anybody who's home to visit family, yay! If you've got a family, a codependent family, ho oh, ho, this is a show for you. Um, but let's talk about that. For So when we're talking about interdependency, it's your whole and I'm whole. And we're not expecting other people to meet our needs. Now, does this mean you don't, aren't allowed to have needs? No, that's codependent thinking. So codependent thinking is, you know, you're not allowed to have your needs met um, or else other people have to bend over backwards to meet yours and you're not responsible. So the bottom line is in codependency, somebody's not responsible for something somewhere and somebody else should accommodate it uh, regardless of the impact on the person. Now, if people don't have many resources, they think if they have too much codependency, what will happen is they'll want they don't like to, they want it to make it bad and wrong because they think that's going to make other people meet their needs more. No, it just means that they're going out in the world with the same old codependent behavioral patterns at a complete and total loss of why they're being rejected. They can't figure it out. Nothing they do, quote unquote, seems to work. And it seems like they're always giving up their power to help other people. And when they don't, it seems to be bad and wrong. And so the conclusion often is that in some way, shape, or form, other people are bad if they're not meeting your needs, and you're bad and wrong somehow if you're not meeting their needs, regardless of the cost to you. And the people most roped into that um, tend to suffer the most, uh, which is interesting. And sometimes, you know, they're, they feel like they're at the top of their game um, because they rule the roost in their codependent family, for example. But as soon as they step out in the world, they're facing lots of rejection or they can't get the people that they actually want i.e. emotionally healthy people, and it feels like people are always wearing on them, always asking too much, um, you know, always getting in their way, et cetera, and they're always expected to accommodate that. Um, But it's still the same codependent pattern. It's just somebody feels like they're at the top of their game, but as soon as they step out and they can't get needs met and they can't get the people they want, or you go to a networking event and there are people out there who are more advanced than you, um, and you discover that and remember that, Uh, then all of a sudden, you know, somebody who's got a lot of codependency finds themselves back at the bottom of the barrel. So they're king of the hill when they're at home, but as soon as they step outside, they're, you know, really low status um, for a lot of things if, you know, if they can stand to be around the people at all. So, um, and sometimes people, you know, try to get away from that. They'll try to be king of the heap, um, heap being the operative word, and they still can't the people but they're you know the king in that their comfort zone um but they always feel like you know other people aren't up to where they are and if you really feel like people aren't up to where they are it's because you're playing in too small of a pond um usually because when it's too too small it's because there's too much codependency to play in a bigger pond now people with a lot of codependency tend to hate that it changes absolutely nothing um, but some people really suffer, and then they're complete and total loss for why. Interdependency, well, you change that because you know you're responsible for your stuff, and other people don't have to meet your needs. Now, that, But the way that your needs are met in interdependency are very different because in interdependency, 
you're whole, you meet your needs. And if you don't know how to do that in an appropriate, healthy, responsible way that um, also respects other people's healthy manners, um, responsibilities and behaviors, the healthy stuff, so not talking about, no, you don't need to... um, So we're not talking about you needing to accommodate a lot of unhealthy stuff because that's not good. Um, But it's not, you know, being out of balance and then demanding other people meet your needs. And if you don't know how to meet your needs in a certain way, then you get help uh, to figure out how to do it in a way that's going to be responsible, reasonable. And that's when life turns out way, 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 way better. Um, So... um, Okay, so I do see we have area code 203, so I'm just going to finish up here, and and then you will be on the line. Um, So when we're looking at, you know, this interdependent stuff, and what about speaking truth? Well, truth speaking and codependency is basically when people feel like shitting on somebody, it's let let the good times roll, and then they're like blast, you know, taking it out on somebody, even when they're being irresponsible themselves, but they're quote-unquote speaking their truth. But that's not truth. That's more reactivity or somebody tries to blame somebody um, or isn't responsible enough yet to actually understand that they're responsible for their own life completely and absolutely. And if you do not understand that, uh, the farther away you are from that, uh, it just means that you have ways to go. And the longer you are away from that, the more you have to go. Um, because your life is your responsibility. And yes, some people actually do understand that. That's not just something pretty that people say, um, even though it sounds that way sometimes. But speaking your truth in interdependency is more like, you know, this is what's good for me. Um, you know, it's this is something healthy that I'm doing. These are what my responsibilities are. No, I'm not going to take on something that's really going to throw me out of balance because in some ways, that would actually be very irresponsible of you. Not not all the time because, again, sometimes everybody's got a little bit of codependency. Um, but from the interdependent spectrum, you know, if you are going to be short on sleep and you're going to be groggy the next day because somebody's had the 16th fight with their spouse, <clears throat> you know, if you think you're a good person for staying up late all night talking to them for, you know, the 16th argument, they won't go to therapy you know, they won't go for coaching, they won't get any help whatsoever, but your time is on demand and you're showing up at work and you're not being productive, even though people are paying you to or you're letting clients down, um, et cetera, you're actually being irresponsible by being quote-unquote unhelpful. Now, codependency says, well, that's not right because you should help people. Yes, but it's a lot easier to help people that help themselves. And if people will not help themselves, you still have a responsibility to yourself and to the people around you who are willing to help themselves. Um, you still have a responsibility to be responsible in your actions and your behaviors, including whatever projects you take on. And if you can't do it, quote unquote can't, you can, but if you feel like you can't, um, <clears throat> um, you know, be responsible um, by taking on somebody else's stuff, that's because it wouldn't be responsible to take on other people's stuff. Um, so, you know, when we see a lot of the stuff in codependency, well, you've given up on people. No, that's not giving up on people. Refusing to, um, <clears throat> knowing that you have other responsibilities and that you're going to have other things in life that you need to push forward. Um, is very and that they need to be responsible for their own lives is very different than giving up. Why do people think it's mm, because when you start pushing things forward, uh, you start to have other priorities. Now, sometimes people say that like it's just a pretty thing you say. You have priorities as an excuse for not um, being there for somebody, and that would be more codependent. Um, <clears throat> so we're not talking about you know shirking responsibilities. We're not talking about shirking res- emotional duties. Um, because that would be codependency. So it's not about, you know, take, take, take from a friend and then when they need you being like, oh, I have other priorities. Oh, I'm so deep. <laughs> no, that's codependency. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, there's only so much you're going to be able to do if people aren't going to be willing to help themselves. And at some point, all you're going to be doing there is sitting there, poor baby, and saying, poor baby. Now, for some people, that is a path. Um, so people who are in harm reduction, for example, um, those can be people that it may be their path um, to just be the types that just sit there and say, oh, I understand, um, and see it from the person's point of view, and and that's it. You're not asking them of anything because somebody's um, at the point where they're not going to help themselves. But 
most people, including some of the people who are currently in harm reduction um, um, jobs, are actually not here to be in that level. You're here to help grow because that's how everybody gets out of pain and suffering. Um, so some people don't understand that. Some people are so far gone. Um, <clears throat> you do have people who do need help from harm reduction who are actually very active in helping themselves and doing their own work. Um, but when you have somebody who's at the point where it feels like the only thing you can do is give them harm reduction, um, there's going to be a ways to go. Okay, so this is not about turning your back on somebody who needs um, harm reduction help and they're, <clears throat> you know, and they're trying to make it work. It's not about like, oh, I could help you in this way where you could get ahead. Um, but no, no, I will not do that because I'm deep because that doesn't make you deep. That means you're, that's codependent moment. Um, <clears throat> but it's that you're not going to be able to carry people um, to a certain degree. And sometimes the way it works is it's just not going to be your job to help certain people because um, that's just not your modality. So it really is dependent on, you know, what your modality is, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, and again, so I see area code 231, you're, you're on there and you'll be up. Um, so what does this mean? So when we're speaking, you know, truth, this isn't about um, making demands on other people because that's making demands. It's not, other pe- it's not truth. Um, is it true that people can get ahead? Yes, but that's true for everybody. Every single person on the planet, I don't care how advanced you are, there's always the next level um, because then you start going out to the cosmos and the cosmos, understanding the entire cosmos is beyond what you are going to be able to hold as a human being completely and absolutely. So there's always um, the next level, just to be very clear about that. Um, <clears throat> but so when we're, when we're speaking truth, um, truth Speaking truth and codependency is more about dumping and interdependency. It's more about being in um, reality of what is um, to be doing, you know, what you're supposed to be doing um, and what is, you know, true for you um, at a high level, not just trying to get out of stuff. And there's some subtle differences there, you know, so it's, um, you know, it's just about being honest. And some people like that and some people don't. Everybody needs it, whether they like it or not. And even the people that um, <clears throat> say they really can't handle it, um, you know, they don't want any truth from you whatsoever. You should just always placate their feelings and that's it. And I've met um, the overwhelmingly um, large majority of people that I've met with that um, issue have been extraordinarily suicidal. Um, because it's a very hard thing to work life when nobody tells you the truth. Now, when people want it and they think that they want it, um, when that one way that that shows up is um, you're, you're relying on somebody to do something, they tell you that they're going to do it, and then they don't do it, and it screws you over. So that's what happens when you don't have any truth in your life. And when people don't want much truth in their life, the interesting thing is they don't want to be told the truth but they want other people to be living in truth. And the problem with that is the people that are more likely to agree to not be in truth with you at all are more likely to do things like be unreliable. Um, The people that are more likely who are going to be reliable are going to be um, truthful. Okay. They're going to have more truth in their life and they're going to seek more truth and they may not have an interest in accommodating people who are not very truthful. Number one, but number two, um, you know, being reliable, you have to be aware and you have to be truthful about what your responsibilities are. So there does, you know, all the positive serving behaviors that you want out there in the world, um, a, a lot of them have a basis in truth because you have to be in that reality. So when people don't want it, um, you know, and then they tend to be very hard to deal with because then they're always reactive, always taking their stuff out on other people, always crying or you know, they have ginormous needs that they don't meet um, because they don't look at anything. And a lot of the time, things aren't a big deal. Um, but for them to look at, but if they don't understand that because they haven't evaluated it, it'll seem like a big deal. And then people use lots of resources. Um, and then that's when you have the situation where you have somebody who's, you know, every day, seven days a week, you know, could spend easily, you know, five hours a day, every single week, just complaining, 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 and all they want you to do is feel sorry for them, and even if you give it to them, you get your head bitten off. And even people who have that pattern have noticed that 
they'll go and they'll give it to somebody else. Oh, you need sympathy. I understand. I'm not one of those mean people who's going to demand that, you know, you be self-responsible. No, I will help and sit and blame everybody with you. And they'll find that they'll go and they'll give that to somebody who really seems to be requiring it. And in fact, sometimes actually is requiring it, but they'll go to give that to them. And then, well, you're just not doing it in the exact right way I want you to. And then it's whack, whack, whack. So it's just lack of pain responsibility equals suffering. Um, But when people don't understand that or if they're too far gone into it, they'll actually be very avoidant of it, which causes them problems. But then they're demanding that other people around them be self-responsible, be reliable, be truthful, um, even if they don't understand that's what they're making demands for. So healthy behavior is all interdependent. And everybody needs interdependency. It's just not everybody wants to cooperate with it. And when people don't want to cooperate with it, some people get so far gone into not cooperating with it that they're going to bash, bash, bash. Um, And then you've got toxic people. You have abusive people um, because that's where the bash, bash, bash leads to. So it's really a decision and a choice of, like, where people want to go. Um, And speaking of, uh, so let's go to the mailbag here. We have Leanne in California. My partner does not see that he is a narcissist, and she's wondering if he's ever going to change. Well, this would be exactly what I'm talking about, Leanne in California. Like, I mean, completely and absolutely. Um, So, I mean, you're wondering if he's going to be, you know, changed. So there are certain diagnoses where they don't go to therapy. They don't do the work. They don't see the, the problem. I don't recall if a narcissist or not. Um, I'm just telling you that. But here's the thing: like, if you're <laughs> if you're still stuck in a situation trying to make somebody else change, that means you have a great deal of codependency, honey. I'm sorry. I know it's not funny here, um, but it's true. So then you got to work out your stuff. And here's the thing: when you work out your stuff. It's a lot easier to understand that people are responsible for working out their stuff. And you stop taking on eventually with enough work in enough different areas, you stop taking on people that are not going to change um, or sorry, that are stuck to that degree um, because you know how much work it takes to get out of it. And that's only if they're able and willing to and not everybody is willing to. Um, so, you know, in terms of that, they change, uh, you can look up, um, Dr. Ramana, I think it's, I think her name is Ramana, R-A-M-A-N-A, Maharshi, M-A-H-A-R-S-H-I, something along those lines. Um, but she deals with narcissists, like she's, and she's like narcissists, people with narcissistic personality disorder are very welcome, um, in her practice. Um, so just to give you an idea, so she's claiming that they do not change. Now, I'm not saying, or I think she's claiming that. Actually, I can't say that for certain because I don't remember exactly. Um, but you can look her up and look at her videos on narcissism because she really deals with it um, a lot. She talks about, she's got a lot of videos on YouTube. She talks about, you know, the people, the family unit around the narcissist, the whole nine yards. Um, but I know you're coming to me for a reading, so I will just check that quickly. Not that I can see. I don't see that changing at all. Um, hold on here. It's like he's got a time period where, like, later on in life where he starts wondering um, whether, you know, or not he should make some changes. But then it's like it goes back and... And basically, he goes to his deathbed um, with narcissist tendencies. I mean, that's not that's not going to change. So I don't really, you know, I mean, there's some wondering, but there's not really. um, It's not going to change. Let's see here. Hold on a minute. Um. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, here's the thing. I I see a lot of people with your energy and your position who are like, you know, you really think you're being giving and you have a good heart. And, I mean, you look sweet. I mean, you look like a real sweetheart. Um, But what I see, though, often with people who sort of like have your um, dynamic is that, you know, you have somebody really just really, really, you know, excuse me, caught in very, very 
to a very large degree this idea that you know you're a good person um, for having for taking on somebody and not letting go of somebody um, who does not want to help themselves and I usually see people in your situation because they're missing um, other aspects um, <clears throat> that they need to grow to put it in they don't know how to do it and when they don't know how to do it themselves and this is extraordinarily common in codependency you get people who start to want to just focus on other people because it's easier because you can see their stuff but whatever you can't figure out for your own it's important to remember that when other people are stuck to the same degree that you are and especially more so if they're stuck more so they're not seeing their stuff they're not correlating that they don't know how to make the changes they don't know how to figure it out and um, so I'm assuming you feel like you're doing better than he is I'm assuming you feel like you're higher vibration I'm assuming you feel like you've got it more together than he does. Um, and if you can't figure out things enough to make your life work perfectly well, um, so much so that you understand that this is a bad, you know, this isn't the best decision for yourself and you want to leave, well, whatever, to whatever degree you feel that he's worse off than you are means that he's going to have a much harder time than you are coming out of it. It means he has that much more work to do than you do and that's all that it means is because I mean whenever you think you're the smart one um, you're the more resourceful one you're the more talented one in self-development whatever it is whenever you feel like you are more in an area and that person is more far gone than you are that means they're going to have more work they're more stuck and it's going to take longer to come out of okay if two people were working at it the same rate okay and they were doing exactly the same things that were, you know, the same benefit for them, <clears throat> whatever is going to you see in somebody else, more so, more, 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 more. Um, so, you know, I, I, I really wish you the best of luck with that. Um, I would talk to somebody who does deal with um, narcissistic um, personality traits uh, for whatever that you agree to. Um, see that, I do suggest you go talk to somebody about that. Um, I would look for somebody who does deal with narcissism more. I'm not um, I've never met Dr. Um, Maharshi. I don't know much about her, so I can't say, you know, like, yes, absolutely, you know, go go talk to her or, or anything else. But what I will tell you is, um, you know, dealing with coaching, and again, I'm not a therapist, um, but trying to make people understand about certain mental health traits um, can be a real uphill battle. Um, or even just to understand like how stuck people are, it can be a real uphill battle. And there are definitely, you know, therapists out there who kind of follow along the same lines of they don't understand the ins and outs of it enough. So it's like, oh no, you know, you just have to, um, <clears throat> you know, you just have to have love in your heart or whatever else, or see the good. Um, and that's that idea is very prominent in coaching. Um, because coaching is about helping build skill set, but it's not about denying the dark side. It's just that in coaching, you're not processing the dark side unless you take in um, whatever training to do that. You are not processing the dark side. You are building up the the love. Now, I understand that some people don't understand that, and that's when you get a lot of fake stuff out there that says, you know, or makes it sound like you're not allowed to deal with the dark side to look at the dark side ever. No. When that stuff is going out for coaches, um, <clears throat> and this is one of the reasons why I tend to try to poke holes through a lot of the nonsense that's out there, um, you're, you're not, as a coach, being more advanced or evolutionary by not noticing or being able to tell that a dark side is there and exists. But it can give that misimpression out there because coaching is more focused on helping you how to build a skill set for where it's there to whatever degree that it's there. It's not about being out of reality. Um, and sometimes there are therapists who don't understand that either about how far you could go um, to get out of it. So as a result, I do have, I've met a lot of um, therapists, psychiatrists, et cetera, psychologists who I've done self-development training with um, who do that because they understand that there's more to what they've been taught and so they're going through the self-development and they're using that in their practices and they're using that with their clients. Um, and some people have, you know, coaching certifications um, <clears throat> because of the, of the advanced skill set that you get from coaching. And this is really important to understand. But it does not mean that there's not a dark side there. Um, and so dealing with somebody who 
he very definitely deals with narcissism, uh, would be a really good person to um, see in terms of like therapy, et cetera. Um, and then that should get you a lot more answers. And you also want to get people that are dealing with um, trauma. So you're looking for somebody who's got a somatic background. That's also really important to understand um, to help you make those changes. So good luck with that. Um, let's see. So, and then we have, oh, we've got a lot of codependency in here right now. Um, let's see here. Okay. Um, so we have um, Haley Newark. She wants to know if her husband's going to agree to counseling. So one moment here. Well, here's the thing, honey. He, he'll agree to it. He's not going to do it. Um, like, he might go there, but he's just going to kind of sit there. Um, and the thing is, like, you can't really force other people into counseling, into coaching, or into anything else. Because, you know, if you've ever been in a bad mood and somebody's trying to take you out of it and you started to trip and you're like, nope, decided not to do it. And you decided to stay in a bad mood. That's all it takes, really. Um, and for co- coaching, counseling, self-development, for it to really work, people have to be honest and they actually have to want to take a look at it. Not everybody does. Um, so I basically see them going, but basically sitting there like a lump. Um, and that is very, very common, unfortunately. Um, <clears throat> and so what happens is you do see a lot of people out there warning about it that you can't force somebody into it um, because a lot of them have clients or have let clients go or just sit there maybe waiting for the person to possibly crack and they're just taking the money. Um, <clears throat> and, and sometimes it's not as shady as that might sound. Um, sometimes it is. Um, but sometimes it isn't. Sometimes, you know, they're just waiting to see what's going to happen, whether the person's going to do anything because they're there. Um, <clears throat> but basically, no. And there's a lot of people out there saying, like, you can't force somebody into it. So I really wish you the best of luck, honey, but I don't see a difference in that at all. Um, and we have Brenda in Idaho. She wants to know what she could do to feel more secure on her own rather than gravitating to codependent relationship scenarios. Yes, and it's Brenda for the win. Woohoo! Okay, Brenda, I love this because you know what? That shows growth, right? It shows that you're understanding like this is going to screw you over because it does. Um, so let's see here. One moment. Brenda in Idaho. So, Brenda, here's the thing. When you have those moments where you're like, um, oh, I shouldn't have done this, or oh, I should have done that, that's your self-awareness, and your self-awareness is your best friend. And here's the thing, honey, you tend to twist it around and sugarcoat it, and when you're sugarcoating it and twisting it around, you're losing all the places where you go, oh, that's something I, I could fix, that's something I could work on, and if I don't know how to do that, that's something I bring into coaching, and that's what I work on there. And that's one of the most important things you can do. Um, and here's the thing. You might not feel like you're, you're um, missing self-awareness because I see a lot of people who don't feel like they're missing self-awareness. But what's happening is, honey, I see the sugar coating in your energy and I'm being very polite, but it takes, and I'm being polite because sugar coating um, yourself always, you know, sort of like going over it with a roller and saying, yeah, things are fine. It does take a toll in your energy and it does turn your energy and it's, um, people can feel it, honey. I really want to be clear about this. Um, and you see this, right? This attitude, same attitude with the cool girls who are like, oh my God, it's like, oh yeah, it doesn't matter. Oh yeah, drinks with my friends. Hey, hey, you know, and it's like, and they're really cool and they're just, you know, and they got the clothes and they got the hair and, you know, they're hanging out at the clubs every weekend, but you can really feel this shell and that's going on to them. And sometimes, like, they're just so far out of it. They're like, you meet them at a networking event. You're like, you're like, hey, how's it going? And they're like, oh, great. Did you have a good lunch? What did you have for lunch? You're like, well, I had the, oh, mm, yummy. Oh, that's so good. I sound so delicious. And it's like, I didn't even finish answering the question. Like, if you don't want to know, I'm okay with that. I don't need to tell a complete total stranger what I had for lunch. It's really not high on my list of priorities. But then don't ask. But there's like this very false sense of um, <clears throat> dealing with them. And then what happens is they pick other people that there's a very false sense of dealing with, right? So, um, and that becomes sort of like the norm where they're sugarcoating it. And then when you're sugarcoating it to that degree and you're glazing it over, 
Um, <clears throat> so, and it's Tia in Chicago, and she's listening down. She'd like an answer, please. So um, I will get to you, Tia. I do hear you just right after this one. Um, so, Brenda, so when I'm seeing that sort of thing, what happens is <clears throat> if you're glossing over, icing over too much stuff in yourself, you're going to ice it over in other people. And this is why you get the really hot girl, right? Like the really cool hot girl. And she's like, oh, it's not a big deal. And she's like, you know, with this guy and, you know, maybe he's very athletic and stuff like that. And she's like, oh, babe, you know, like, what are we going to do this weekend? And he's like, you know, wiping his face. It's like, I don't know. Um, She's like, oh, it's okay. We'll figure it out. And it's like, so, oh, you've been dating for three years. Any permanent plans? So we just don't talk about things like that because if you're cool, you don't talk about things like that, like making sure, and this is the codependent version of cool. I really want to be clear because some people are cool and freaking awesome. Um, and, but there, that's the interdependent aspect of cool. But when people are cool in codependency, when they get involved, they don't even find out if the person wants children or not. And then they don't talk about or have that conversation for three years into a relationship. And I'll tell you, I've met so many cool girls who are really pretty. They're very successful. They're very driven. They got the clothes. They got the life. um, And they've never been married. And I see that time and time and time again. And they keep meeting guys that, you know, on paper sound great. um, And they've got the clothes. They've got the lifestyle they're setting. But they're not getting a commitment. And so I see a lot of cool girls who are in their 30s and they're now they want to have children and they are coming up to the time when they're about to have a geriatric pregnancy, which is 35 or older, and it creates them a lot of problems um, <clears throat> because they start freaking out because they miss their window of opportunity. Why do they miss their window of opportunity? Because if you're the cool girl in codependency, you don't have conversations with the guy that you're dating to find out if you're on the same page or not. Does he want kids? Does he want to be married? Um, in the very least, it's cool and acceptable. Even in codependency, say, what's your five-year plan? Um, <clears throat> and they won't even do that um, to, to say, you know. And then if he's lying to them and they can tell he's lying, well, you're just supposed to ignore it if you're the cool girl in codependency. And, honey, you got this flavor in space of, like, this ignoring, ignoring, ignoring. So what happens is you'll get two cool people who end up in court because they do finally get married, they have kids, they get divorced, and then the shell starts to fall off because they start to see who the other person is because now they're starting to fight for what they want um, and all the places that they feel let down that they never voice because if you're cool, you don't have those conversations. And then they're taking it out in divorce court. And they're like, I, what happened? I don't know him at all. You know, or he's like, you know, she's vindictive and she's, you know, manipulative. And it's like, really? Hmm. You know? And these are the things that people find when they're consistently glossing over and not having those real conversations. Um, So for you, it's really important to look at like what actually is to the degree that it is and to have those conversations. And it doesn't mean tackling a guy on the third date going, are you going to marry me? You know, because I mean, you don't know on a third date, but if you do want to get married, if you want to have kids, um, you know, for anybody who's in that position or whatever it looks like, if you want that long-term relationship and by the third date, it is fine to ask that. Like, you know, so, and the, and what is your five-year plan? Especially if you get older, you know, where do you want to live in the world? Where do you want to retire to if you're older? Um, all these sorts of things are very important questions to ask. And if they say they don't know, here's the thing. <clears throat> it is normal to have time periods in your life where you don't know. But the older you get, the more you should know yourself. And if somebody doesn't know whether they want to have kids or not, I have news for you. I've met guys who are in their early 20s, 22, 23 years old, and they already know whether they want to have children. And like actually know, not just saying it, they actually know, and they're not afraid to voice it. So when you're dealing with somebody who's in 30s, 40s, 50s, or 60s, or older, um, who doesn't know what they want, that's a flag sometimes. Now, I'm not going to say it's a flag all the time, but if you want kids and somebody doesn't know that they want kids, then that's a flag that you, that you don't get involved with that person. Now, it doesn't mean they're totally a bad person. Absolutely no, but they should know what they want in the rest of their life. If they don't, because sometimes it is very common, you know, you live your life and then your path changes and it's like, oh, well, what were you doing before? And you're like doing this and this and this. And it's like, oh, so what is your path? 
And they say, well, I don't know. Okay. Um, You know, so what excited you before about it? And they're like, well, they were doing this and it doesn't really sound like much remedial job. It's like, oh, um, what did you feel your path was then? And they're like, I don't know. They've never known. Then that's a red flag. Okay. Now, does this mean it's a red flag where somebody's horrible and they're mean? Not necessarily, but um, you want people who know what they're doing and what they're going where they're going in life. And if you don't, if they don't know that, that's a red flag. And the reason it's a red flag is because you don't know what you're going to end up with. And again, so some not all red flags are like big danger zone signs. Um, It just means that they don't know what they're doing. So it's not a good idea to get involved if you do. Um, If you don't, you just tend to get taken on a ride and you're never going to know. The other reason where it does become a red flag is in a warning sign like burp, 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 not that one, is because some people are too um, far gone into codependency to be able to have a healthy life with. They're just too far gone. Um, and when people consistently don't know what they want, that can be, that it is a sign sometimes um, <clears throat> that they're at that level of, like, just not going to be capable and feasible. Um <clears throat> And so to get out of it, it is important. Like, this is not about saying that you know about things that you don't, right? And I know it's hard because codependency, sometimes you're like, I don't know. And somebody's like, you don't know, warning sign, flag. And it's like, oh, bloody beep. Um, and it's, that's not a warning sign on you. That's a warning sign about them, um, which is why it's important. You know, there's a difference between somebody being on path versus somebody like, you know, and then their path changes, which is common in growth. And that's a positive sign. It just means that they're growing. Or maybe, you know, they grew, but they have a major change to get more into who they are. And they be, and that major change is actually bringing them more into path. Um, but they don't understand that yet. And that's one of the things of making sure that in their younger years, were they on path then? So we're not talking like, when were you on path when you were five years old? I'm just saying like, you know, when you're in your 50s, for example, <clears throat> were they on path in their 20s, 30s, and 40s? And if they weren't even on path in their 40s, you've got somebody um, who's probably going to be too, um, there's a good chance that there's too much codependency there. Um, But when, so part of, you know, this honesty, not sugarcoating it is some things aren't a big deal for you to like, you know, and getting in reality with that. And, um, or there are some things you do like that aren't a big deal or some things you don't like, and it's not a big deal but getting in reality of that and then starting to see where you're matched. And this is like, I mean, it's a, lo- it's a long process. This would be something that you'd be way better off to come in for coaching with because I'm not going to be able to um, do it all on the air, not be a long shot. And I also have Tia who sent in her question and she's listening live, so I'd like to get to that as well. Um, <clears throat> but just so you know, like the, the starting point really is about, you know, yes, I like this and, and no, I don't like that. Um, and being honest, and then seeing where it's a match. And yes, people have differences of opinion, um, and things that they like or don't like, but some things are really big. Like if you want to live in the city or the country, and somebody's the opposite of that, that's not viable. And if they're willing to get into a relationship with you anyways, even though it's opposite, can be a warning sign um, that there's too much codependency there. Okay? Um, So like, and if they say, like, they still want to get in a relationship, it's like, well, I want to live in the country. You know, and I met one guy, and I mean, oh, my God, he was hot. Like, oh, just my type. Tall, big muscles, you know. <clears throat> Wanted to live in New York because I asked him, like, where is your dream area? You want to live in? He's like, New York. And I'm like, yeah, it's not going to work. And I love New Yorkers. I want to be clear about this. I met a lot of New Yorkers that I'm like, oh, you're one of my favorites. I love New Yorkers. I just can't live in New York. I like visiting there been there a couple times but I can't live in New York because New York is such a masculine place um because of my feminine nature um I just feel very drained very quickly and so I love New York I love going to visit um I love New Yorkers I just can't live there and so when he said he wanted to live in New York it's like well you know that's a deal breaker for me and he was saying like well what he's like but uh chances are I'm not going to get there and here's the thing Okay, maybe not, but if he's not, that means he's not really living his past. And if it's not accept if it's acceptable to him to not live his past to that degree, because really we're just talking about, you know, a move. Um 
if he's not capable of making that happen or doesn't understand the importance of it, there's probably going to be too many other areas where we're not a match. And at some point, if you do have your life on track enough, those opportunities are going to come up and it stops making sense to, especially for the masculine, they're like, well, you know, masculine can be very selfish. That can be the selfish part of the nature. Well, if they're going to want to live in New York and you're stopping them, some guys will drop their relationship over that, especially if it's only been a year or two. And why put yourself through that? Um, And for some people, you know, it doesn't seem like a big deal, like it's just New York. But what that person's saying is that he wanted to live in a very masculine environment. That really fed his soul. Um, And I can't live in that much of a masculine environment. I need to live in a more feminine environment. So South America really works for me. Central America really works for me. Um, The West Coast of Canada really works for me. And those are all feminine places. Um, And so even though I have my drive and everybody's got masculine and feminine natures to them, so even though I definitely have some masculine qualities just like every single other person on the planet, I also have a lot of feminine qualities just like every other person on the planet. Um, But my feminine nature feels better for me in a more feminine environment, and that's what really feeds my soul. Um, So it just wasn't a match because if he needs to live in a masculine environment because that really felt great for him, we're never really going to be able to live in the same area. And when I want to move somewhere to something that's new and exciting for me, it's probably not going to feel good to him. Now, what about masculine and feminine energies and you have that polarity? Yes, but there's a difference between having a polarity – within your relationship, but you're still both in a place that you need to live in. Um, and so some men really are drawn to South America and Central America for the thrill and the, of, you know, the, the archaeology, the adventure, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera, um, uh, living off the land, being more rugged. So there's ways to do that, but they're still call, but it's still being called for a place that is in a more feminine area, which is a huge difference. Um, and for a lot of other reasons, you know, that I won't go into on the air, I'll just use that one. But we turned out not to be a match, you know, and I was a little, hmm, just like, yummy, yummy, yummy. Um, <clears throat> but it didn't work. <clears throat> um, but I'm okay, because now I got my, you know, I got my honey pie, and he's a much better fit for me. Um, and he likes the idea of living in South America. Who knew? Um, I did what I asked him on the third date. Um so these things are really important to understand, you know, but it's that being honest that helps you to understand that um, and being honest about what you want and need. Now, sometimes people get a little nervous about that um, because they think it's just about the emotional stuff. This, so knowing what you want and need does not mean it, it's different than somebody being on your beck and call emotionally. Um, it's more like, you know, when you go deeper into your heart, um, are they able to have those conversations with you? Now, men, the masculine typically does not have those conversations, those heart-to-heart conversations, as well as the feminine, and it's not as good for them. So this is not about expecting that a guy is going to magically sit there and have long heart-to-hearts all night long, every single night, every single day of the week for the rest of your lives. I mean, that's going to be too much for anybody. I really want to be clear, because you have other flavors, even for people who are very heart-centered and want to have those long talks. Um, Me! as one example, <clears throat> but it will become too much for anybody. Um, but it is being honest, like about where you want to live. What are some of your interests? Um, and we're looking at the positive serving stuff that's going to grow. And if they're not a match for your lifestyle that way, it's just not a good match for you. Um, and those are some like very small, but starting point, the aspects, but then it goes out from there. So for this, I would really suggest talking to somebody, um, you know, coming in for coaching. The first one is free. Um, so you can come in and do that. Um, but I wish you the best of luck uh, with everything because uh, you can do it. You know, it's it's not as daunting as it perhaps may sound, um, but you do need outside help because you're going to need a lot of outside perspective on that. But thank you uh, for writing and trusting me with that. So we have T in Chicago, and she wants to know, is there a job opportunity coming her way soon in what field? So because there's so many job fields, people, please write in and ask, like, if you have any, and I'm more than happy to say yes or no for whatever fields. Um, 
<clears throat> but to sit there, I mean, if you've ever looked at the list of what is like, what are all the job options in the entire world? It's a lot. Um, <clears throat> and so <clears throat> I do need, um, you know, the handy dandy list. And I, I, because I'm on the air and the show only lasts for 55 minutes. Um, I can't sit here and like, you know, try to remember every single last thing. It doesn't work. And they don't tell me that information up front. Normally um, it's more like I, I know of it and then I can check to see what, whether they're matched and then they'll give me the information, but they don't usually say acupuncturist um, <clears throat> as an example. <clears throat> so um, is there a job opportunity coming her way soon? So a moment here, Tia in Chicago. The show about codependency. Um, I would really suggest talking or um, making and double checking because the amount of codependency I see in it, I do not like. So yes, but um, a lot of codependency there. So if you do decide to take it, um, go. Oh, this is probably what Elle was talking about. Okay, I'm going to keep searching for another job, and you're going to want to make sure that you do that. It's not going to be a very good place for you. Um, not the worst ever, but more codependency than. You know, and sometimes it's like, oh, it doesn't look that bad. And then you're playing in it, and it's like, blah. Um, <clears throat> so I do see a job opportunity coming. Um, in what field? I'm seeing a building, if that helps. Um, it kind of looks like it might be, it, like, offices of some type, um, more spread out. Um, so, like, a big office. <laughs> Sorry, that's all that they're giving me. Uh, um, so yeah, but there is an opportunity, definitely. I and mean, you do have opportunities coming. Let's see here. Hold on. So Tia, what I would actually like you to do is I would actually like you to make a prayer and you can pray to whatever you believe in, um, <clears throat> whoever, whatever you'd like to ask for help. I just ask the universe usually. Um, sometimes I use different religious figures, not from any one particular religion. I use whoever works and whoever's got that vibration the most at that time, you can do it, it for any non-believers. You can just, you know, pray yourself, you know, um, so what, you know, insert your name, dear Tia, you know, please tell me, um, <clears throat> help me with this. But basically what you're doing is you're going to want to ask for, um, you're going to, so what I want you to do is I want you to pray. And when you're praying, I want you to ask for job opportunities to come your way that actually help you heal um, emotionally and help you heal and like have that happiness, joy. Um, don't say heal. Actually, that takes it off track. Hold on here. I'm just going to see what prayers. So what I want you to do is um, ask for what I want you to do, Tia, is I want you to pray and I want you to ask for um, <clears throat> a job that's going to bring you joy and happiness um, that will help take you to your next levels. And this is really important that you, important that you put the happiness and the joy in there um, because I actually do see that you could get a job um, that could be very beneficial emotionally and help you to really um, the nice thing about going into a positive environment is that positive environment can be very healing provided you're willing to participate with it. Um, <clears throat> if you're willing to open and use all your good stuff in it, um, part of the healing process is putting those serving behaviors out there in the world and they actually start to work. And that kind of opportunity um, is out there. Um, but you have to ask for it. Um, and then it can really, really be beautiful. And I'm actually very happy for you. Um, so good luck with that. And yeah, if you want to like write in and say like, these are my top things, interests, um, and you want to do that and say like, would I be good at this, 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 and this, then I'm more than happy to do a read for you that way. Um, but I mean, acupuncture starts with A, you know, it goes like all the way down the list. Um, so good luck with that. And I really wish you well. And let's see, we have, so we're almost at the top of the hour here. Uh, we have um, Pat in Boston. Am I on the right path for her? High is good. So Pat in Boston. Oh, well, different Pat's hold on here. Not Pat in Boston. Gee, so one moment. Pat in Boston. Um, am I, are they on the right path for their highest good? Um, so one minute here. It's just going to be really quick for three minutes to the top of the hour. One moment here. 
So, Pat, basically what they're saying is um, being on path is really good. Um, But in some cases when people don't understand what that means, they can actually be using their path as an excuse to sort of hide out. And then they won't be on path as much as they actually would if they were willing to expand out more and take a look at other things. And that's basically what they're saying for you right now is you're actually halting your progress um, by being so determined to be on the right path. I want to be clear, being on path is really good. I really want to be clear about that, but it encompasses a lot more. So um, as an example, um, things that I have seen um, you know, for example, you get people with a lot of codependency and they're doing their past, but they think the past means not doing anything that they don't want to do. So like literally you'll have somebody who doesn't work um, because they don't want to work because it's not on their best and highest good. Well, if the job pays money, which they do, you feed and clothe yourself, that is part of your responsibility. It may not be, and that is part of your path, and that is on your path for your highest good. So personal responsibilities are also on the path. Um, and it takes a while to dis- to decipher and go through all those. And we're at the top of the hour, um, but basically um, <clears throat> it's like it's kind of like watching somebody sit in the middle of the road saying, are you on the path or the highest good? Well, if you're on your way to the city and the city veers off in a bunch of directions, you can't really say, yes, it's the best path for your highest good, Um because it still goes on to all these other pathways. Um, Bright side to it, I do see you using it to avoid things that are harmful, which is beneficial, but you need to learn how to expand into things that are going to be beneficial as well. Um, So thank you so much, everybody, for writing in, calling in. We're at the top of the hour again. My name is Elmaya Hoshi Tara. You can find me at enlightenmentinthecity.com. Again, that's enlightenmentinthecity.com. And here on newsforthesoul.com every single week, 3 p.m. PST, New York, Chicago. That's your rush hour. And come in for the coaching. That's going to be our best bet for everything. Thank you so much, everybody. I love you. Bye-bye. Hear all of our previously aired broadcasts of News for the Soul online at newsforthesoul.com. Now let's get back to the show. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.